Hello and welcome to Interval, the Norwich Theatre Royal podcast. With a new episode releasing each month, this show will bring you exclusive news, views, interviews and behind-the-scenes content. We will have the latest information for shows and events at Norwich Theatre Royal, Norwich Playhouse and our Learning and Participation Centre, Stage 2. If you're interested in the performing arts in Norfolk, then this is the podcast for you. In this month's episode, it's a pantomime special. Oh yes, it is. We will be learning all about our Aladdin cast. Members of our creative team working behind the scenes will be telling us how they help bring the show to life. Plus our chief executive, Stephen Crocker, will give us an insight into this year's Christmas appeal and the impact of last year's fundraising efforts. This year's panto villain will be played by Rick McCarram, who starred as Nikhil Sharma in Emmerdale and Dr. Sebastian Grayling in Casualty. After a 14-year absence, he will be returning to Panto with Norwich Theatre Royal. He tells us about his journey into the world of Soapland, the magic of Panto for young children, and his love of Formula One. No, I feel really good. I can't wait. Um, it's, uh, it's been 14 years since I've been involved in a Panto and uh, this feels like the right one to be a part of, so yeah. In life I'm, I'm quite OTT, so, uh, so I think this gives us a, an excuse to, um, to, to be big and be bold and to, be, um, yeah, to have a lot of fun. Um, Panto is um, a, an amazing experience uh, for, for everybody, for family, for, um, for the children obviously. Captures their imagination. I like that it tells a lot of like, um, uh, important stories, hidden morals, uh, hidden values. Um, for some children it's going to be their first experience of even of theatre and if that's the case then we've got a real opportunity to um, uh, get them behind what is good and what is bad so hopefully if they're really cheering for the good and really cheering for the bad and booing the bad then yeah to be honest um, I really wanted to get into Formula One so I don't kind of know how I wound <laughs> up as an actor um, I, mean, I recall this one story where I was going to go and study engineering and, um, and the day after my GCSE results I was a little bit hungover which is very naughty and I remember crying on the toilet pan saying to my mum I think I want to be an actor she was like well okay so actually I just, uh, I just did it the, um, the straight educational route I you know, studied it all the way up until leaving school and then went to drama school I was fortunate enough to get into a really great drama school I'd done a stage show and the casting director of Emmerdale had seen that stage show and I think that she'd seen that, that I could suit the, the character and what they intended for the character in Emmerdale. So I've got to say, I mean, Emmerdale was a life-changing experience um, to be a part of that show. That's a great group of people, very passionate, hard-working storytellers uh, in every sense of the word. And um, it came around in a sense that it was just a natural process of the audition appeared and you know, I went for it and then um, I discussed it at length with my agent whether it was the right role to do and it just felt right organically and I'm really pleased that I did it because over the sort of six years that I was involved in the show I got to play a whole wealth of storylines in you know, so many different ways so uh, yeah. Characters in, in uh, Soapland which is a, you know, it's, <laughs> it's an unusual place in itself um, in order for them to survive and, and really prosper, they, they, you know, you need to discover all the dimensions and um, it was important that we, we 
um, you know, unpeeled layers and um, found quirks about the character that could really allow the characters to fly and also how he connected to the different characters in the show as well. So at first, yeah, it was, um, you know, there was a rigidity about it um, and, you know, I was very keen to see what we could explore and I was really happy with what we came up with alongside the storyliners and the writers. That's the, the thing about sometimes with soap, because you're in people's homes every day, you know, um, 600 episodes I, I had the privilege of being a part of Emmerdale, um, people assume that that's like your, that's your thing, that's what you do and that's who, who you are, you know, and, and they don't tend to see um, all the stage work and all the other characters that you've played, so it's very important to, to sort of show that you can do that and, um, you know, hopefully continue to entertain them just in a different way. And the last time you were here was Dead Simple as well. Which yes, Peter James. Very different again, a bit of Peter James. Yeah, thriller, uh, mystery, um, uh, crime thriller. Yeah, that was great. And I mean, this is a great stage, and it was perfect for that show. And it was well received, which was, um, was lovely. And when we came here and toured that play here, we were in our early stages, so you know, um, we were just getting to grips with it. Um, and I think it was here in Norwich that that was where the production actually found its feet and it took flight. Um, just fantastic company of actors. So you know you're amongst a team of people where you can really play, really deliver a great story. I remember reading the script and I was like, this is so, every page I was like, this is what's gonna happen, oh my gosh. And I knew straight away that if I'd got the chance to, to work on it, I'd want to do it. And yeah, so. Now, away from work, all this sort of thing, you're a bit of a Formula One nut, I understand as well. It is unbearable. <laughs> I am such an F1 geek. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I love it. I truly am like obsessed with it, which is probably very unhealthy. I mean, the first time that I got into Formula One, I've got to say, it was when I was watching the 94 season and this guy, who I, I was very young at that time and I didn't know, but this guy, Ernst Senna, died in this Formula One car and I couldn't get my head around it. So how can this man die in a race, he can die in a racing car, you know? And um, that naturally intrigued me that there was these machines in combat at 220 miles an hour with such fine margins for error. and. I just found that absolutely fascinating and my respect grew for what they were trying to do. And then I realised that actually the sport is very theatrical, very colourful, very glamorous, very, um, um, very obviously very technical, um, a lot of teamwork. Um, and I mean, I just loved it. So I am truly an F1 junkie. And it's, it's kind of a little bit annoying for most people because my schedule kind of revolves around the F1 season. <laughs> <I'm gonna laughs> that <laughs> yeah, that's it. So uh, that's why I could do the panto, you see. It's no Formula One on, you know. Uh, no, I mean, I probably won't go for a Sunday dinner with my family or my friends if the Grand Prix's on. Because I'll be sat glued to the TV. And I urge, you know, new fans or people that are intrigued in Formula One to really take a look at it because it is a, it's a wonderful sport. The truth of it is, I think I've reached actually a stage in my life where you've got to sort of like know yourself and make choices that are, are, are right for you and and um, trust your gut, go more on the organic rather than going for what people say is the right thing to do. I mean, just this year alone there's been a couple of opportunities which were great opportunities on paper but in my gut they just, they, it wasn't feeling right. So. I'm pleased to say I trusted my gut and I turned away from it to do something uh, different. So I think 
if there was some kind of like big challenge or for something that you know that would sound exciting or whatever it's just got to feel in line with where I'm at right now in, in life and I would say that's the same for everybody you know no different to anybody else um, but I'm excited and I'm not more so than doing this production so this is an absolute um, uh, joy for me to come here and play this part I've had experience of playing Abenaza 14 years ago and it was one of the best experiences of my life and it just it like this in itself feels right to be back here doing this so having last year been nominated at the great british pantomime awards for best choreography with her amazing dance sets in sleeping beauty dj go returns to construct some more spectacular dance routines on the stage in aladdin we speak to her about the challenge of continually reinventing the panto and keeping the material fresh and exciting she also discusses what it's like to work with the young children who help make up the ensemble, known as the Panto Babes. We have the audition for the dancers in August, so I, I put something together for that, and I've usually spoken to Richard before then and got some music together and got a bit of an idea. Um, and after that, it's lots of phone calls with Richard, then with David, and we just liaise to start with to pick the music and to choose the music which has to fit in with the story and have a you know make some sort of sense maybe there's a theme so we we kind of try and fit that in um get some up-to-date music in as well things that people like that's current and um, so all of that goes on um, then we start to decide on the music that we're going to slot in um, and as i get to know that i just start to put some things together and I usually build on that, so I'll start with maybe the dance break, um, and then if someone's coming onto the stage, I, I kind of add add bits on with the children, add them into it, and then choreograph what the principals are doing in the number. It's not something I'll do in a day. I think, oh, I'll just do the opening today. Um, so I have made a start on the opening. I've got a bit of a structure together and we're going to do an up-to-date finale. We're doing, we're doing a Katy Perry number. So it does evolve and develop. Are there particular challenges? Have you, do you find there's particular moments where you have to kind of put a lot more time in and others that just flow or does it vary De from Oh, definitely. Idea? Yeah, some numbers will just come together and others, I, I, there's be a little bit that I'm really stuck on or I, think, I can't sort of imagine what it's, it's going to be. Um, and quite often that ends up the best, you know, the best bit. So it, you just don't know, really. Yeah. Now, you're working with professional dancers, which we talked about briefly earlier with the audition, but you're working with a lot of children as well. What's that experience like? Yeah, that's very different. I mean, they're, they're great. They have so much energy and um, they're, they get so excited. I was so excited to be involved with a professional production. So it's lovely to work with the kids. Yeah. And, and three groups, so you've constantly you've got, you've got to make sure they're all up to speed. And all. Yeah, so we do do it again and again and again <laughs> until it's right. Yeah, so yeah, just a lot of drilling and um, yeah, trying to get them to put as much into it as they can. But it must bring back memories for you because you've been on that stage and, and in the Theatre Royal Panto yourself. Yeah, I have. Yeah, so it's lovely to be involved because um, I, I, I really enjoyed it when I did it. And yeah, it brings it all back. I think it's it can be very nerve-wracking. I know it's definitely on the last dress rehearsal, I sit with Jane and it's, uh, yeah, very sort of um, uh, nerve-wracking experience. But when it does come together, um, it is, it's, it's an amazing feeling. 
with you know all the different stages you've been through and to see the finished product is yeah is, is quite quite emotional actually yeah Kira Nicole Brennan will be playing the genie she tells us about playing a role traditionally taken by men a familiar face to thousands of young TV viewers who watch her on Channel 5's Milkshake. She also talks about her exciting ambitions for the future. When I got told about I was going to be the genie, I was like, genie's normally a man, but then I realised that it was like something different and a real challenge for me as well to bring that side out of it. So, for example, I could make my own character from it. So, because it's a man, and then everyone else will kind of assume that, oh, genies are supposed to be men, but I can prove to them that there's no kind of gender on the genie. <laughs> so I'm very excited to do it. Um, I've seen the costume today, it looks absolutely amazing. It's full of sparkles, which I love, so very excited. And I'm so excited for like my friends and family to come and watch it too, because I think Panto is definitely a part of me even though I haven't done it before. A lot of children watch Panto from such a young age and it kind of tells them, it kind of makes a decision in their heads that they want to perform or they want to keep going and watching and stuff like that and it brings a lot of joy and it brings everyone together like you said earlier. So I think it's a really nice environment for everyone and for kids especially because I remember when I was younger I used to love it. So My nan always brought me up and my mum always brought me up going to loads of performances so I definitely have seen quite a few of them and I literally, I've always remembered them so it had a big impact on me as a child so hopefully the genie will have a big impact on the children that are coming to watch as well. I got into ballet and street dance and um, modelling from a really young age so I've always had a performing arts kind of background and even if I wasn't performing on stage, which I did a lot of, I was either going to watch performances with my nan especially or I was um, going down into the living room and gathering my parents and making my own kind of show for them. So I'd make a dance show normally. And then from that, I kind of got into acting and then singing as well. And then I like went to Brit school. So I put it all together and I'm just still performing from this day to this day. And tell me a bit about the Brit school, because that must have been an amazing experience. Oh, Brit school is like the best four years of my life so far anyway. Literally, it was such a... Because I came from a, a Catholic all-girls school and it was really academic. And that wasn't my environment. I really didn't enjoy it at all. And then as soon as I went to Brit school, it was like a whole new environment for me. And literally my grades went up because I was somewhere where I really wanted to be. And it was just an amazing thing. Like the teachers are really supportive for you, especially because your like, um, schedule was really packed out. So they're always there for you. They always want you to pass. And um, literally I was able to do so much. So I started off at Brit doing creative designing and dance as a GCSE. And then I did radio on the side. I did um, community arts practice, music theatre. So it literally you can do as much as you can and you just make the most of what you have at Brit because there's so many resources there for you. At the moment, I want to do everything. Literally, I'm open to everything. So I, because I love performing on stage so much, I want to continue performing on stage and getting as much knowledge as I can on that sector. And then I'd also like to continue production assisting. Then I'd also love to work on TV and keep working. I just want to get as much knowledge in the many different areas as I can because my end goal is really to open up my own inclusive performing arts and technology school mm -hmm. for like people with like special needs and people who can't afford um, 
to go to a lot of performing arts schools because they are quite pricey and stuff. So kind of like the Brit School, the Brit School did inspire me a lot. So yeah. <laughs> oh, is that is that why? What well, and from what you've seen in the industry that you've seen, yeah, there's that gap. Yeah, because what working in like when I started in community arts practice from year twelve into college, um, we were working with so many people from many different backgrounds. For example, like deaf children, we had to put on a Shakespeare performance with them. So you had to learn a bit of sign language, and then we've worked with children. I taught like ballet and gymnastics classes to them. People in, um, that suffer from dementia. So literally, I just want to open up my inclusive company. <laughs> Why are you excited to play the genie this Christmas? Oh, I'm very excited to play the genie because the genie's like he's very well. She is very cheeky. She's very. She's always smiling. She's got a massive smile on her face, and she's always there to help people. So I think that's something I am in general, not to sound like big-headed or anything, but that's something I can. Um, like produce on stage, like I can make it, and I could. I know I can like be such a big bold character and perform her really, really well. So I'm very, very excited to do the genie. I love. Like I think the genie is something that in Aladdin for me really stood out that character. So I'm. I love a challenge, and that was a really massive character. So yeah, I'm excited to do it. This production of Aladdin will be the 17th pantomime that Jane Walsh has been associated with at the Theatre Royal. She lets us into a few secrets about the hard work that goes into putting on the show, from sorting budgets and contracting the creative team, cast, ensemble, band and stage management, to liaising with the creative team on the script, music, design and running of the show. She tells us why she believes that panto is for everyone. Well, I mean, the whole process usually takes about 15 months. In fact, you know, we're sort of sitting here at the end of September and I'm looking at uh, the pantomime, not just for this year, but for the following year. So that's when the sort of whole scheduling starts, putting together the performance schedule, the timings of the shows. Um, but yes, I suppose it's, it's very much an organisational thing, trying to keep everything together and moving forward. Um, and uh, doing uh, all the casting, um, arranging auditions, and we've just been doing the uh, auditions for the babes today. So all that sort of timing and scheduling, um, working with Will Hill, our production manager, to, to make sure that um, everything on that side of it is going according to plan, working with the wardrobe team. Um, yeah, it's sort of quite a constant job, really. Oh, and bring it all in under budget. <laughs> Which is the, <laughs> big, on the biggest budget. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And, and are there particular areas that you enjoy the most or is it just having the chance to oversee it and, and keeping the whole thing? Um, not, no, not particular areas. I mean, I actually enjoy doing the whole thing. It can be uh, really stressful at times and uh, particularly, I think, from my point of view, once we get into technical rehearsals, because you sort of... Um, there's very little that you can influence at that sort of stage um, and the relief of once it's actually opened and it's looking like a really nice show is is tremendous I have to say you can sort of relax over Christmas then there's a lot of song there's a lot of dance um, we still and very very unusually have a, a six-piece live band um, so it all sort of adds to that atmosphere of a slightly more traditional pantomime but we're also always looking at ways of updating it uh, and Richard and I had quite a long chat at the beginning of the year there's various things that we are going to change we're not it's not a, a complete overhaul of what we're going to do 
uh, but there will be some sort of tweaks this year. I think it's just the sort of thing that you, you can take everybody to. And um, I mean, I, I have a lot of friends who are actually, you know, in their 30s, 40s, 50s who come on their own. They don't, you know, they may not have children. Um, so it's something that you can come as a family, bring children, bring your granny, um, or just, you know, come and enjoy it, really. Each year around Panto time, the theatre launches its Christmas Appeal, which aims to support mental well-being through creativity and participation. Chief Executive Stephen Crocker explains how this year's Christmas Appeal will raise vital funds to enable our learning and participation programme to promote worthwhile projects such as our community choir, creative matters, and help young people gain new skills through creative projects and training opportunities. Stephen also reports on last year's appeal, which raised £18,000 to support our programmes helping those affected by and living with dementia. The Christmas Appeal at Norwich Theatre Royal was set up in 2017 to raise important funds that go to support new projects working with particular groups who find it challenging to engage with our work here at Theatre Royal. In our first year of running our Christmas Appeal, we raised over £18,000, all of which was invested into new projects, particularly working with people who are suffering from dementia conditions, living with dementia conditions and their carers. Across the year, we ran a range of projects, including a whole month of programme in May, exploring the issue through our Creative Matters season. The funds raised through this year's Christmas Appeal will support a series of projects working with people who have challenges around their own mental health and well-being. Across the whole year, there will be a range of initiatives delivered across Theatre Roll, Playhouse and Stage 2 that encourage the most positive approach to mental well-being. These will include things like our new community choir, new training and skills activities and new activities for people of all ages to engage with. Here at Theatre Royal, we are hugely committed to working with communities across Norwich, Norfolk and beyond to embrace as many communities as we possibly can with the richness of arts and creativity. We can't do this alone and we need your help through donations through the Christmas Appeal to ensure that more people engage with what we do year on year. Across December and January, there will be plenty of ways to give and support our Christmas Appeal. You can go to any of the donation points in all three of our buildings. You can put money into the buckets after our performances, or you can donate online. Please give as generously as you can. Starring as Aladdin in this year's Panto is local boy Stephen Roberts, who has family links to Lowestoft and Norwich. Stephen tells us about his memories of watching Norwich Theatre Royal Pantos growing up, his time on Hollyoaks as George, exploring themes of homelessness, and his recent work in theatre. I think it'll be fun, because I'm looking forward to like the magic, the carpet, um, the genie, like I think, um, yeah, and the, the relationship with, um, with my mum, with the twanky and wishy-washy and that, so I think I'm looking forward to it. We should say you're not completely new to Norwich Theatre or Panto, you have seen it a few times over the years. I've seen it quite a lot actually. I haven't seen it fairly recently. Um, I had a friend who did it that I did Hollyoaks with called Lucy Dixon. She played Aladdin as well, which is great. So I'm taking over the reins of Aladdin. Um, and she, so I saw that a few years ago, and then I hadn't seen it for quite a few years before that. But I was, I was, a, I used to come as a diddly little one, and um, 
Yeah, so the pant that was pantomime. That was one of my first pantomimes, really. And we used to come. Uh, I had family that lived in Norwich at the time, so we used to get the train. Not no Lowestoft, sorry, Lowestoft. So we used to get the train from Lowestoft over to Norwich, and come in each day, each, each year and watch it. So. Can you remember any memories of particular pantos that you've seen, or am I delving back far too far? I just, I think when you're, when you're, <laughs> when you're young, when you're young, I just remember all the, it was so colourful and fun and like the kind of, the chaos of the, the booze and the, it's behind you and, and the shout outs and who'd go up on stage and kind of, and the song sheet, so I, I just remember, yeah. Well, I guess it's also it's great to get kids in like yourself at that early age. You're experiencing theatre for the first time. As yeah, well. I mean that. I I think that is true. I think I think that's kind of when I fell in love with the theatre, I suppose, really, because that and that is my earliest memory of going to the stage. When you kind of you're seeing like all this excitement before you with the singing and the dancing and yeah, I think that's when that's probably is where that must have been where I fell in love with theatre. Like, I think that's great where it is like a lot of people's first experience of the theatre. So. I think when you go to the theatre and you see something as exciting as that and then you want to be part of it but you're not really sure how to be part of it like and then so I went I went to stage school in London and after that I did my kind of A-levels and I wanted to just get a bit of get a bit of academic stuff and then I went to drama school and then then it kind of went from there and then you just as an actor you just audition and then hope stuff comes along and then and see how it goes really but I'd had a couple auditions and I went in for Hollyoaks and then it just all fell into place and then I spent three years there so it was kind of it was a and it was a great experience I loved it um, and then yeah so I left there a few years ago and then since then I've been doing theatre um, so it's, and I think theatre is probably my main passion but I love doing uh, screen work as well but I think um, I love being on a stage so I'm excited. We'll, we'll talk about stage that. Let's just start, I'll just talk a little bit more about Hollyoaks because George was an incredible character. He kind of came in to start with with this sort of the, the, the almost fashionista in mm. commas with all these great sort of lavish outfits. But there was quite a lot more to him as as emerged over the three years. As yeah, well, which must have been a great pop role to play. Yeah, it was it was exciting because I and when I when I when I was when I first joined, I didn't know where George's storyline was going. And like you said, I came in as a as a fashion student who'd who wore anything and everything in whatever way took his fancy and those costumes were interesting <laughs> um, and then and then shortly after I joined it transpired that George was was homeless and he'd run away from home because of, he was worried about how his family would accept his sexuality and so he found himself living on the streets with his friend Phoebe and it was and so that that was that was a big part of my time there exploring that storyline and how how young people find themselves on the streets and how they cope with that, which was it, which was a really it was it was a tough storyline, but it was an exciting storyline to explore. And we worked with um, the Centrepoint charity um, that tried to help people in those situations, and we kind of tried to make sure that it was it was true to life, but it was kind of there was a there was a strong message at the same time of learning to accept yourself and hoping and surrounding yourselves with the right people. And George was lucky that he had some nice friends to. I mean, and you got acclaimed for it. I mean, because it must—it's a, it's a tricky. I know an actors go into the profession to do that. But it must have been quite tricky to portray that. I guess it's very different from day-to-day -day life for so many people. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we did. I mean, there was one night we did a sleep out. We 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 slept out to raise money for charity, and just to think that people do that night in night out is just—it really is horrible and kind of. Well, they brought it. They brought the message into people's living rooms and stuff. Is what, what it's yeah, about. I guess, yeah, isn't it? yeah. And I was very fortunate. It was my first job out of drama school, so it was kind of, it was, 
it, there's a quick turnaround. It was kind of very, it was like, it's, but it was, it was, I learned a lot. And I think, um, and I met some amazing people and because the people that work there have been working there for years, the crew, the, the writers, a lot of the cast have been there for a long time. And it sounds a bit cliche, but the people there really are very nice. And it was a really lovely place to work. So it's that great grounding as well. As yeah. The pace and, and mm. wealth of storyline. Yeah. Well. Yeah. And then, the, then theatre beckoned from there. <laughs> yeah. Some amazing roles. The History Boys was one. That, yeah, that was that. that like, what was that like playing Posner? That was brilliant. It was, um, so we toured for six months all over the country. So we did, went to lots of different theatres and and it's I mean I loved the play it was and it was a and it was a really nice and it was a really great part and um no it was great it was and it was and that was my first professional kind of thing. I'd done little bits of theatre when I was younger as a child but that was kind of my first proper role and to be touring as well we didn't come to Norwich though no no, no we went to Ipswich but that's <laughs> that as close as we got yeah yeah <laughs> and and what did you learn from that was you I mean obviously Again, the role is one part of it, mm. that whole getting into the touring life. How did you find that? I love touring, actually. I really like it because you kind of, you go, you get to see the country and then you kind of, you, you stay generally placed a week, maybe two sometimes, but generally a week. And it's nice to experience different theatres and different size theatres and because some theatres feel more intimate, some theatres feel bigger and, and you get to know the locals a bit and, and then sample their culinary delights or like, do you mean like you get, you get <laughs> yeah, to see um, a bit of the like local surroundings which is nice so I think it's really nice it, it feels quite nostalgic in a nice way because like I said I, I remember Codice's pantomime when I was really diddy and and I remember seeing Richard Gordler in it and I think to kind of be part of that will be really exciting and and getting to fly on a carpet might be quite fun so yeah so yeah I'm excited And of course, you can catch Aladdin from Wednesday the 12th of December 2018 to Sunday the 13th of January 2019. That's the end of our show this month. Thanks to Rick McCarram, DJ Go, Kira Nicole Brennan, Jane Walsh, Stephen Crocker, and Stephen Roberts. Be sure to subscribe to us on iTunes, Stitcher, Acast, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Let us know what you liked and what you want to hear in future episodes. Thank you very much for listening to Interval, the Norwich Theatre Royal podcast.